What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 77 of the Antler Up podcast. And on today's episode, Dimitri and I sit down and have a conversation with Jimmy Jeraputo, marketing director of Half Rack. Jimmy shares what Half Rack is all about, how they plan on building a community through their equipment and conservation. And during this first part of the episode, we dive all into that. And after that, we talk about his content designing skills and how that has evolved for him over the last two to three years. We wrap up the episode talking about his successful hunts in New York and Virginia last season and how and what he plans on doing to have the same success this year. Jimmy was a great guest to have on, and I encourage you all to check him out. So sit back and enjoy this episode. Till next time, Antler Up. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to share for those of you that maybe haven't seen the post, but we're selling a limited run of our OG Realtree camo hats on our website made by Single Acre Hat Company, and all proceeds will be donated to the Black Rifle Coffee Company Gives Foundation. The BRCC Gives provides assistance to veterans, military, first responders, and conservation efforts through the direct and indirect of financial support. So check it out at brccfund.org. Hey, everybody, we are live. We have uh, guest Jimmy Jeraputo on the line today. Jimmy is joining us for a second time. Uh, we had him back on, man, you were on one of those first top 10, I, I want to say at least top 10 episodes that we had uh, when we were, we had, well, we still don't know what we're doing, but um, <laughs> but when we really had no clue. But Jimmy, man, welcome to the show. We'll introduce you now because you are the marketing director for Half Rack, which is a 2% conservation company. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and thank you guys for having me on. And uh, I didn't realize at the time, now that you say it, that I was on such an early episode, but I'm glad to see you guys are still rolling. And yeah, it sounds like you got your, your pro voice on now. So it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we I come along with that. But... <laughs> yeah. The pro voice. I think it's just the microphones. Um, <laughs> we just got the face for radio. Yeah. But no, Jimmy, welcome, dude. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. And well, I want to dive into for this episode, uh, I want to talk about Half Rack just because, again, it's some great content. And I want to talk about Half Rack, that as a brand, what what you're doing with the conservation with 2%. Uh, I want to talk about, too, a little bit about your content creation and like what you got going on doing that type of stuff because you're doing some, some awesome kind of artwork and developing some logos and designs for individuals. So I want to, I want you to talk about that as well. And then I really want to talk about the, what's happening right now, the nitty gritty of pre-scouting, uh, what you're mapping out for right now, trail cam management and what you're seeing on cameras and some new tactics, what led to your success, all that jazz. So hopefully we can squeeze that in here. I'm excited. Jimmy, just for those of hopefully the people that skipped over some of those episodes, no offense, Jimmy, but, um, you know, who, who are you, where you're coming from and what's your role a little bit more with, uh, half rack. Yeah. So, um, I guess the short of it is grew up Long Island, New York, and obviously we're talking about hunting. So what's relevant is, you know, grew up mostly hunting in the suburbs, uh, and out in the Hamptons, um, pretty much always hanging and hunting. So kind of running gun style more or less. And now I, uh, well, then I was in the coast guard after high school for four years, got out a year ago, actually it was a year the other day. Um, so it's kind of a interesting perspective to look back on, but I, uh, very grateful to be where I'm at now. I live in Virginia. Um, and I live about half an hour from a farm I grew up going to. So 
that's where I do most of my hunting now, obviously if I'm not traveling. Um, and it's kind of a, another interesting thing to look at and consider. Cause I went there that farm for the first time when I was eight years old. Now I'm 23 yep. and uh, getting to hunt there all the time and know that place inside and out. And it's just interesting to kind of think about, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, like you said, so, uh, I guess I'm lead of marketing for half rack. I mean, it sounds weird to say, I mean, it's brand new, but you know, we all see where the vision is and where the goal is to get to. So I feel confident in saying that, you know, I own that role and like, I feel confident in, you know, taking charge of that. So it's, it's pretty, uh, interesting thing, I guess, to say out loud too. Um, but yeah, so that's about pretty much all about me. So Awesome. So let's dive into half rack. So just for someone that had, doesn't know what it is, like what is half rack? Uh, obviously we, you go on the website, you see what, you know, you could click on, you talk about the three P's like prepare, preserve and prosper and the, obviously the conservation pieces, but like in, a, like if you had a, you're in an elevator with someone and you're on the first floor and they're getting off at the sixth floor, you know, what, what could they, what could you tell them about half rack? Yeah. So, um, like you said, with the three P's and basically half rack is it's an outdoor gear brand. And I know that sounds generic, but kind of getting a little bit more detail. Um, I mean, we're going to have an array of SKUs for all different things and, uh, starting out this year, um, we should have product in, in August, obviously Lord willing shipment works out, which I think it's going decent. So should be good. Um, and product wise, I mean, we'll, we'll be carrying and developing and, um, I guess the word is, uh, expanding upon current items, uh, everything from gun cases, um, for rifle shotguns, handguns, all the way to bow hooks in the tree, the, you know, the simple little screw in ones, and then a little bit more, uh, proprietary, you know, uh, with our bowing, trying to, you know, switch things up a little from the get-go. Um, and that's only going to expand more as, you know, 2022 comes around. Um, trying to think what else it's like, there's so much stuff. (laughs) Um, I guess, you know, another fun thing is like the snack pack, right? So like, that's something we always like to talk about because we know that people are going to have fun with it once we can get it in their hands. And, it's just a little pouch it's supposed to be for, you know, snacks or your release or range finder or whatever. And that's kind of something we hint at, like we want to see what people get creative with. So, you know, those types of things. And then, uh, like I said, the, the, the exciting part product wise is just knowing what we have going on that we're going to continue to expand upon and try to get people to turn their heads a little bit. And I think it will. Um, and then with prepare, preserve and prosper. So, prepare, you know, we want, we, that we kind of have that as like, it's almost a secondary tagline or like a motto. Um, it kind of sums up the values of half rack. Um, so prepare, right. We want our gear to be able to help you prepare in the field and be cognizant of preparing. Like you said, like trail camera scouting, everything, cause that's what we love to do. Um, preserve, um, preserve being huge on conservation, um, preserving, our wild spaces and, uh, you know, uh, habitat and animals and all that. Um, and to let people know that it's not just something that we 
like that's who we are, right? Like we're, we're hunters, we're conservationists, and that's going to tie into a big part of everything we do, everything from educating and then getting new hunters involved at some point. Obviously I definitely have some plans on that, on how we can collaborate with folks like yourselves to, to showcase that. Um, and also being 2% certified, it's really, everyone's a part of it. And I think I've kind of said it a few times on social media posts, like it's a half rack family. Like we want it to feel, um, inclusive, but also high end and give the consumer and everyone involved that elevated feeling. They know their gears quality and that really ties into prosper. And we want people to prosper in the field, um, and know that their gear is going to help them do that, uh, specifically half rack gear. Um, and, Uh, something we worked on for a while trying to fine tune, which I'm pretty stoked about because I I really love, I love everything I do. I always look back on it as like branding and how does it tell the story? How do the words when they're written out or spoken speak to a consumer or anyone looking at the brand? Um, And we finally came up with, and I feel confident that it'll stick uh, as our main tagline is fine gear, fond memories And, you know, the idea behind that is it's like, you know, people say fine wine, right? So it's like, it's fine gear and there's fond memories. Like that's it. We want it to feel, we want half rack to feel like your dad's hunting camp. That's now been brought to now and elevated and something that we can all connect with. And that's why we have all the graphics running down our grid and just, it's fun, but it's, you know, upscale. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like building a little community. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're going to replace that loud sandwich bag that takes you 14 (laughs) minutes to get it out of your backpack and alert everything in a 500 yard radius. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we're changing, we're changing the game. That's a, so believe it or not, believe it or not, we're, we're changing that one up for, you know, I couldn't guess why. And it's funny you say that because my dad, he's told me forever. He's like, he's like, when you're, he's like, you know, take your snack bar or whatever out of the wrapper and just put it yep. in your backpack. But I, I never listen. Yep. So it's yeah. always crumpling around. <laughs> well, that's what I always remember, you know, especially for rifle season. Cause there's always such a, oh, yeah. a family tradition. But then, you know, when I was a little kid, my mom would always pack my, my lunch for the day and she would put it in one of those plastic grocery bags. And when I'd go to pull it out of my backpack and it, that thing just <laughs> rustling around, I can't even get anything out of it. I'm like, come on, mom. Yeah. <laughs> and plus you're saying during rifle season when there's no trees on, uh, no leaves on the trees and it's echoing yeah. through every holler around. I know that's, that's the, the beauty part. I already, I could come up with some ideas how I could, uh, come up with some fun things for uh on wearing it on the saddle and throwing some uh gummy bears in there just because that was the snack to go in in utah for me up on the mountain so that that was the uh when it gets a little bit colder and they get a little bit harder to chew then it turns into like a lifesaver and you're just kind of (laughs) (laughs) then then they get soft and then you can eat them but awesome stuff jimmy now what uh what led to you know to to and dive into all this, uh, like with half rack and, you know, like you said, I mean, there, that's all like you went deep into thinking about the, like, like I like when you even just like the colors, like when you talk about like, Hey, this is, um, you know, like, 
like goo, like snow goose white or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like you, like yep. I'm probably saying the wrong animal, but like, <laughs> but like you have a purpose for each thing and, and it is, it's clever and it's unique uh, and, and it's clean. Uh, you know, so like what kind of like made you take this leap and this jump, like with half rack, just because like you said, it's, it's uh you're coming out with things that are already pieced together, but it's, it has a different meaning behind it. Like if you go to Dunham's and you're buying just a, a cheap bow hanger, you know, it's just a cheap bow hanger. Like if you're supporting, like that's, that's not going back to anything. Right. But if I buy it or an individual buy something from half rack, you know, being part of the 2%, it's going back to conservation. Yeah, exactly. So that was actually a thought I had before. And I think I skipped over it. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought it up and, um, <clears throat> exactly. So I guess real quick, you know, like what you're talking about in the store, and I'm excited for everyone to see the packaging because that was like my baby for about two months designing all the packaging, like 40 different SKUs. So that took a <laughs> while. Um, and I can't take all the credit because it's weird. I've been in a very big learning process over the last eight months to a year. And I've had a lot of people teach me a lot. And we, so it's, you know, I'm here talking, but it's, it's a team and it's, there's four of us. So it's um, plus, you know, when you collaborate with people like yourselves, it's, it's really, like you said, a community. Um, so when we, when people are in the store, we want them to see the packaging, see the colors, feel the, the, you know, the, for lack of a better term, cleanliness of the aesthetic and do know that, you know, if, you know, buy ours, if that's your reason, great, because you like the packaging or it's different and it's new, but if you're also someone who wants to give back, well, we're, you know, we're proud to say that we started that from the beginning yeah. um, instead of waiting till down the road. Um, but to answer your question about how and why I dove down this road of half rack. So <clears throat> uh, it really is just folks that I met um, and uh, the owner and then the two other gentlemen on board, you know, they're, they were starting it up. Um, they really um, half rack's been an idea for a while. Um, so the owner, Josh half rack outdoors for lack of a, you know, like that was what they called it. He's, they've had that in his family since he's younger than me. Okay. Um, and he's now, you know, I think he's like 15 years older than me. So it's been around for a long while. Um, and that was just his dad and his buddies at their hunting camp and it's what they called it and the name they came up with. And now it's cool to see it transpire into this. Um, and I'm grateful to say that for whatever reason, I guess, I, I don't know if I got lucky or good or both or what, <laughs> but they asked me to jump on board and help out. And, um, you know, now we're, you know, that was just meeting them and now we're all great friends and it's, uh, just been a pretty exciting ride and, um, something about half rack, even from the beginning. Um, cause you know, they were kind of telling me like what their vision was and what they wanted to see and, then pretty much after that, I've just kind of ran with it. And, you know, of course, again, we're always collaborating and talking things through, but something about it just always made sense to me. Right. Um, and it just, it's come to me naturally. I enjoy piecing together what the social media looks like and thinking about things for the future. And I know that's only going to ramp up. So that's, yeah, that's pretty much that. Awesome, man. Now, what kind of, 
what what are some challenges you faced in the short amount of time you've been the marketing manager, especially for a new company that that ha- isn't really been out there yet, uh, especially with with the hunting industry market being such a tough uh, market to kind of break through with so many different companies and you know so what are some of those challenges you face so far and you know what kind of you're going to do to kind of break through that moving forward. Yeah. So I think on my end of things, the biggest challenge was a hurdle of, and I think I mentioned it to you guys, I sent an email about uh, apparel um, because we had problems with our vendor. And, but the bigger issue attached to that was trying my best in emails and DMS and even phone calls to come off as genuine and cordially as possible when trying to you know, for lack of a better term, employ influencers to help us, right? Because we're really just asking for a hope and a prayer without actually giving anyone anything. Um, But that's why anyone who is willing to jump through those hurdles with us, it's like that that speaks volumes to me. Um, And alternately, if not, well, then you know, that, you know what that means, but (laughs) I mean, that's just, I'm brutally honest. So there it is. And, um, so that's been the biggest hurdle is trying to come off as genuine as possible because that's the type of person I want to be. And that's the type of brand half rack is, and will always be. Um, so getting through that and trying to keep up with content, um, and keeping people employed and getting them to understand that there are hurdles. And if you're willing to deal with that, then we're going to have your back in the end. Um, as a, as a brand, as a partnership and with our gear as well. Um, so that's been the toughest thing and keeping up with content with all that combined is tough. And I mean, I'm sure as you guys notice and understand, and if people have just been following along, you know, we've been pumping out content pretty much religiously six days a week for the last whatever it's like six months or so. Um, and that's because we're trying to do our best to build an image of what we see half rack to be and get the story rolling and get that communication between ourselves as a brand and our consumer and our followers, you know, get that dialogue going. Um, and I feel pretty confident in the engagement we've gotten knowing we have nothing to really offer. Right. I mean, it sounds crazy, but for the time being until products are available, they're not, you know, there's not a whole lot to give. Right. Um, and we know that'll change of course, but I think how, like with the hurdle and all that, how I plan to move forward with it is, like I said, anyone who's willing to stay on board, you know, I'm gonna do my best cause you know, I'm not the one punching dollar signs into things, but I know we're all on the same page with this is we're gonna do our best to give back to the people who've been by our side and make sure we do right by any consumer who wants to come on board. And, you know, like I like to say, join the half rack family, um, and really ramp up more, um, with some, you know, I have some ideas on, like I said, you know, mentorship and education, trying to teach people. Right. So add some more meaning behind the content and it's only going to get better when there's product in the hands of people who can get content. And that's even, um, even if consumers want to share their stuff, like we want to see that we want that to be part of it. Yeah. I, and that honestly, Jimmy, just as me being like how you said, you know, just brutally honest, that's what I like about it so far. Cause 
like Dimitri even said earlier, he's like, you know, like it's it's going to be exciting when the new accessories and the part like the pieces come out. But like I like what even for right now, it's you 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 might post about certain other you know content creators and just the images. But like what what there's the meaning, there's a purpose behind it, uh, and it's it's neat to be a part of. So like coming from like our end, it's I don't know, it's just like like you said, it is a little community. It's bigger than just I don't know. It, it's it's just something cool to be a part of and. Uh, uh, I, that's what I like and that's how it's easy to support and, and, you know, yourself and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head about that. It is a little community and there is going to be a bigger piece and it's going to be cool. Like how you said, education, uh, you know, mentorship, that type of stuff, because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's what we want. We want to continue to build before Dimitri got here. My daughter just came downstairs and, you know, she kind of always, every time I say, if I have a podcast, even though it might be one per week, you know, she's like, really, you know, and I'm like, we'll hop on, you know, she just got a, got a brand new bow. She's shooting right now. And I said, well, we gotta, we gotta do this. So I, I I'm, don't know if I'm going to put it on at the end uh, of, of our podcast, just as a funny little, you know, thing at the very, very end, once we exit out here, just throw a quick little two minute segment on with my daughter. But, you know, it was just cool to talk to her and the things she said, she was like, cause you, my, you send photos of us, uh, like to your friends and your hunters and like your hunter friends or something like that. She said, I'm like, wow, you know, like she sees it and she's seven years old, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, so you, when you see that and you hear that it, it is important that we show this in a positive light. Dimitri talks about it all the time. You know, when there's a new hunter being introduced and they see a big buck or, you know, a lot of people have an easy quote unquote success. It looks easy, but we know it's not easy, whether yeah. you're, whether no matter what you're doing, uh, and it, and it could really pull them away and, you know, and, and that he talks about it, the, the good and the bad, um, of, of the social media content, because it, it gives it that persona, man, we, we busted our tails last year and we came up short on a fill in our buck tag. Like it's not because of the lack of trying and, and we, we had encounters, we had this, we had that. It just did not come and it's okay. We're going to learn. We're going to hit it even harder this year. You know, we say that every year, <laughs> but, uh, but that's, I don't know, kind of went down a rabbit hole there. I'm sorry, but, uh, oh. but yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> Dimitri, anything? Well, and I think this year, especially talking about back to the marketing, I mean, it's been a tough year to even start a, a new company or, or new yeah. products out there, not having trade shows, not having some of these other shows that you can go and, and kind of, uh, show people, you know, what you have to offer. Um, and two, because if, if you're new and you don't really have a name behind you, you right. know, a lot of the bigger companies didn't probably didn't have too much of trouble because you knew, you know, the bow companies were coming out with a new bow or, you know, some of the arrow companies and all that, it has been more established, but when you have a new product, you know, until people can physically see it. Right. Yeah. Um, and we think the internet's a great thing where we can get it out there to multiple people. Now, I mean, you don't want to talk political, but you know, there's censorships on, on a lot of our platforms and we don't, especially with hunting, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, we don't even know, you know, if our stuff's getting out there now, you know? Um, yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of issues going around for especially a new company and trying to market your product. Yeah. Um, I definitely not with half rack, but with some other, uh, work that I do experience firsthand, seeing people's ads get shut down and stuff like that. And, you know, 
I'd hate to say it, but it is what it is, but you find a, you know, the proper way to bounce back from it and, you know, fight it for lack of a better term and, but go about it the right way. And, you know, hopefully that stuff eventually subsides and by, you know, a few, a few things on how to keep the world of hunting genuine. And like you said, not looking like easy success to me is wanting to see high quality content on, on the page, but stuff that also gives you that feeling like you feel the genuine nature behind it. You feel the connection you see more than just the hunting. Like you said, you see you and your daughter enjoying something together. That's that matters a heck of a lot more at the end of the day than filling a tag. Um, I mean, that's still fun, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) but no, absolutely. Um, And so, you know, with, all the the thoughts on trying to educate and bring light to the the lighthearted nature side of hunting and still keeping it you know the cool awesome hunting stuff that we want to see but then doing our best to engage back with anyone who engages with us and making it feel like they're being answered by a person right half rack like you said i wanted to take on a persona and not just feel like half racks answering me but it's you could feel that there's someone else there and eventually adding in pieces like on our website of meeting the team and seeing who these people are and knowing that there's real people who are behind it. And these are the things we're thinking about um, because it's only going to benefit everyone in the end. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, before we transition to a little bit about you with the content side of things, you know, obviously you have the the gear that will be coming out here sh- soon and be able to get out into to people's hands. What else? Because I know there's a big event going out in Wisconsin. So I want you to talk about that before we move on, you know, talk about that event and maybe what other things you uh, have in store with, with half rack coming out. Yeah. Um, so, um, this might not sound great, but to be completely honest, I didn't know a community conservation day was a thing until we became 2% certified. But what it is, is August 21st for 2% for conservation is their community conservation day. Um, and anyone who's 2% certified or thinking about doing it and wanting to see one of those, you know, someone's event or fundraiser or whatever it is, go on, you know, that's a way to bring light to it and all of what they do. Um, so they, they ask, um, obviously just being certified, you know, it's 1% of your time and 1% of your money. And then on this day, you know, it's free realm to do what you feel is the best for the good of conservation. Um, so that whether that's like a river cleanup or planting trees or, or a fundraiser, which is what we're doing. Um, so I'll talk more about that is that, uh, so August 21st in Waterford, Wisconsin, um, at the local bar there, we're doing a fundraising event. Um, and we're still working out details and how it's all going to look like itinerary wise, but the general consensus is that it's going to be a, you know, raffle tickets and silent auction for some bigger prizes. We got a bunch of sponsors on board already. Um, and I know we'll be getting more, um, here soon, thankfully. And, Um, there's going to be, so it'll be an entry cost. I'm pretty sure it'll be $50 and that'll get you, um, a tumbler, like a custom tumbler as a, you know, as a gift for, you know, thank you for coming and a few raffle tickets. Um, and then I, 
we haven't decided if it'll be like five bucks more or just be incorporated in that. But um, every hour we plan on doing a random drawing of some new half rack gear. Um, and then on top of, if you want to buy more raffle tickets and put in for um, some tree stands or uh, archery equipment, um, we're going to have some stuff from stone glacier already Exodus trail cameras um, and a, a couple other big, big names, which is pretty exciting. Um, and obviously, uh, with the entry prize, you'll be able to drink all night and, um, then there'll be food there and music. And, uh, we plan on doing live podcasts beforehand. Um, and then having people come up if people who are sponsors want to also show up at the event and talk about what it is that they do. And, um, so it'll just be fun. We plan on it being a pretty big thing and then hopefully expanding on it in the future. Um, and we definitely, I definitely have to give a shout out to, uh, the owner of the bar, uh, the names of the bar is Spanky's, which kind of sounds like pretty cliche, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, I'm sure it's a cool place. Should I bring my dollar bills? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll plead the fifth, yeah. but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good family bar and the, the owner, I don't even know him, but from what I've heard from Josh, um, he is stoked. He's going to be getting t-shirts made, helping out with advertising. Um, you know, he's bringing on the live music and he's even going to be donating. I guess they sell pizzas there, like delivery and in person. So $5 from each pizza throughout the entire night, whether it's in store or delivery, uh, he's take five bucks from each one and donate it to 2% for conservation. Wow. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. Well, geez, just by all that sound, it sounds like nothing should be left over. Everybody should be spending money that night. So that'll be, <laughs> that'll be, sounds like a blast, man. Good, good job. And congratulations setting that up. And it sounds like an awesome day. I wish we lived a little bit closer because that'd be an event that we would definitely like to attend for sure. Well, definitely uh, keep it in mind for next year. Cause yeah. I, I feel pretty confident we'll be doing it again. So awesome, man, dude, good stuff. Anything else that before we move on from, from half rack that, that we want to touch upon before we, we, uh, talk a little bit more about what you got going on. No, I guess the last thing on that would just be if, you know, if you're listening and you're curious about, you know, where to find half rack, you haven't heard of us yet and seeing what we're coming up with the, you know, our social is, uh, at half dot rack. Um, and our website's half-rack.com. Um, so as the new products are coming out, we're going to be, we'll be revamping the website and putting a lot more of those storytelling branding pieces into it and really cleaning it up. So I'm excited for that to, uh, I'll, I mean, I'll be doing it. So I'm excited yeah. to see how it comes out. Awesome, man. Hope this week's Vortex Nation highlight is coming from Tom Runscavish from Northeast Pennsylvania. Don't overlook smaller public land spots on your next out-of-state hunt. With fall fast approaching and many of us planning to venture out of state on a DIY whitetail hunt, picking that piece of public to e-scout can be a hard first step. Many of us will read through different online forums and articles from titled Best Public Land Places to Hunt in Whatever State. A lot of times, the focus on large blocks of national forest or state land over the years has produced trophy class whitetails. These areas will draw attention from other out-of-state hunters with the mindset that they will have enough room to get away from the competition. While this can be true, these often areas see large amounts of pressure each fall, which will affect deer movement as the season progresses. 
also for a guy or gal who has maybe three to five days or even a week to hunt, breaking down a large piece of public can be a daunting task. Unless you plan on traveling to scout these areas in the off season or spend time scouting during your hunt, it may be hard to find that initial good sign. Finding diversity in various habitat is one of the first key features that I look for when hunting a new area here in the Northeast. While some of these large destination public land pieces likely will have such diversity somewhere on it, don't overlook small parcels of public that hold the same features. While most guys coming out of state for their rutcation are going to focus on the larger public tracks, often overlook spots under a thousand acres. These smaller parcels can hold just as good of quality deer and likely may be less pressured by other hunters. Last fall, I traveled upstate to New York after I tagged out early in October here in PA, and I had chosen to hunt different pieces of public land that range from 200 acres to 700 acres in size. And I had planned to only hunt these pieces and really wanted to focus in on the areas that held the most diversity. Out of the six different times to travel to hunt in New York, three of my hunts I had encountered with different bucks. I hit a buck the first week of November, but unfortunately was never able to recover that deer due to a misplaced shot. Later in November, I had an encounter with a beautiful 120-class 8-pointer one evening at 27 yards after he stepped out of from an overgrown clear cut but was unable to get a shot at him due to shifting thermals. While I did not successfully harvest a buck last fall on these out-of-state trips, I believe my process of choosing different small public places allowed me to multiple encounters with deer. With two out-of-state whitetail hunts being planned this fall, I plan to implement the same tactics to my e-scouting strategy this summer to hopefully have more encounters with deer this fall. Now, let's transition to, to this a little bit because it's it's part of your role. Obviously, you the, these past couple months, you've been doing a lot of that marketing things, but you've also expanded on, on that for your personal side of work as well. Um, you know, I see you doing stuff for AJ and you've done some other logos and designs for other people. You know, you went from... Uh, you know, you really did the whole hunt free thing and, and made that a nice success. And then you started to do the videos and the photos, and now you're doing like the art artist drawing type stuff, which is awesome. You know, where, uh, where, where are you pulling all this stuff from, man? Like it's, it's a tough, you know, I, I kind of, where we are, we, Dimitri and I, we always say, I, I, I love where we are. I love that we're continuously getting really awesome individuals on talking, but it's hard, man. Like if you really want to try to, like, like we have full-time jobs. We love just talking hunting. We love, you know, trying to in, increase the, the viewership by education, by cool content, you know, how, how can we, you know, videos, all that type of stuff. But man, if you really want to try to do this, it's, it's tough and you know, you're doing a really good job. So, you know, talk a little bit about what you have going on on that side of stuff and, and uh, you know, go from there. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, like anything in life, you start somewhere, you learn and it evolves. So Hunt Free Media is still like my personal LLC name, business name. Obviously it doesn't really get shown anywhere unless you, you know, email me or whatever. Um, but so that's still just like my personal business and keeping everything on track. Um, honestly, it's kind of, it's interesting how I wound up where I'm at. Um, and again, it has to go with the people I met with starting half rack and I've been working alongside them and all these other aspects as well, like on all this side stuff. Um, so I always liked just posting on Instagram, trying to get better, analyze how, how are the people who are really doing this? How do they get there? And, you know, I don't want to say I cracked the code, but somehow I, 
just figured it out. Um, and it's also big part in people taking a chance on me and willing to teach me some stuff. And, um, and you know, I don't like to generally talk about myself, but I feel pretty confident in my work ethic. And I think that's been the biggest thing to get me to where I'm at. I mean, I did stuff just for fun and then really did a lot of work for free. And now I'm here and I'm very grateful. Um, and so photo, obviously, you know, Instagram is mostly about photos, right? So just kind of started there, started to have more of a love for it, continue to teach myself, get better, learn my camera. Um, not going to lie video, not my, that's like probably my weakest suit, but I plan on doing a lot more of it soon. And, you know, again, teaching myself, learning, evolving, um, and the design stuff, you know, everything from graphics, like for, um, whether it's an advertisement or a carousel type post, um, to packaging design, to the logos and uh, illustrations, that's not something that I ever could have imagined myself doing. Like if you would ask me a year ago, I'd have been like, not that I didn't think it was cool, but I was like, I'm not artistic at all. Yeah. Like, but I guess I was more than I thought I was. I was going to say, were you like some uh, closet artist in high school or something like winning, <laughs> winning things back in, back in the day? No, but I guess I just, the, I feel like the graphics really speak to me. Um, I just like that you, you know, a lot of times I'm by myself, right? Like I don't really have people to shoot content with a lot. So it kind of made a lot of sense and I just wound up falling in love with it. And also half rack from the start, we always knew we wanted graphics. So that's where I started it and it continued going. And then, you know, you always think of fun little creative ideas and it's cool to be able to have an idea like that, put, you know, pen to paper or, you know, on your iPad and procreate and draw something up that you didn't even have to leave your house and you're still telling the story of what we all like to see. Um, that's why I like it. <clears throat> oh, I really, I love it. Um, and, so yeah, just from doing stuff and showcasing work, you know, I've been uh, lucky enough that people have come to me and asked for more stuff and uh, just, I've just gotten better at it. Like anything you work at it, you get better. And I guess now here I am. So, yeah. well, I, I haven't actually told you this idea. Uh, Jim and I were talking the other day and we, I came up with a whole, I think a pretty funny t-shirt design. And I, I, and when I was Saying the design, I I kid you not, Jimmy. My first thought was actually Jimmy drawing like these cartoon guys for us because you have the other one with the animals. Mm -hmm. Which so there's two T-shirt ideas that we have that are just so like I don't know. We think they're funny, so we would buy them. <laughs> so probably like dad joke T-shirts, yeah, like dad joke T-shirts. But uh, but yeah. So when we're off air, I'll I'll tell you them. Um, All right. But uh, no, man, dude, that's awesome because. I, f I feel you on, on all that because, I mean, you would have asked me a couple of years ago, like, oh, hey, like, you know, you, you're going to take photos and do this type of stuff. And I'm like, no way. You know what I mean? But like, I love it now. And mm -hmm. we went out and did trail cameras yesterday in like 90 degree weather and ferns as tall as I, we are. And uh, I'm like, this is, this is crazy. But, you know, we took a couple of cool photos and, you know, it, it's just, it's just fun doing that. Like, it's just another part of the process of going out there and doing that and enjoying it. It's not like, oh, here we go. Like, let's get some photos. And I think too, what I like about it when how he, Dimitri and I do it, we don't like, 
if he's walking, I might just stop and I might see how I might see that there's a cool view and I might be able to get something. I'm not telling him, Hey, go walk up there and like <laughs> pose and do something like we, like there's probably so much content we are missing because we don't do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I, like yeah. I, we just, we just go for it. And if we come back home and there's only five pictures, there's five pictures. Like could we have done more? Yeah. But I'm not going to bust our, our butt just to, do it for the gram or do it for whatever. But I love doing it though, man. I've my colleague that, you know, she's getting married here in a couple months and she's just like, Jeremy, I just want someone to just film our ceremony. Like that's it. I'm like, well, I could do that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, she's just telling me what she wants in some video. I was like, I could easily do that. She's like, okay, so let's do it. So, you know, I'm getting paid to just film someone's quick <laughs> little ceremony for their wedding. Like, okay, that that's easy enough. So I'm with you, man. It's, you could go down a rabbit hole and you could really enjoy it and teach yourself. And like you said, learning your camera, uh, it's fun. And, uh, I, I give you two thumbs up on what you're doing because it is some cool stuff. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, with a few things you said, it made me think about like, that's the nice part. You know, I've not met everybody of course, you know, who has, but generally speaking, the best part about the hunting industry is that no one's putting in their resume to a job to do it. Like they're, they all started doing it just cause they love it. Yeah. And then they've gotten to a point where it's their full-time job and, but it's just, there's always passion behind it. And it just, it never feels like work. It, it, it just always is genuine and just doing it cause you enjoy it is what matters most. I mean, and that goes back to what we talked about before with showing the genuine nature of stuff. Um, so that's, that's why I love it too. I mean, you know, not that you don't get frustrated at yourself and you're like, Oh, I thought I had this figured out, yeah. but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I hear you, dude. Well, keep doing what you're doing on, on that side of things, because <clears throat> obviously you're doing a, a fantastic job with half rack, but also on, on the side, uh, stuff as well. All right, Jimmy, what's, let's crack into some honey. I know Dimitri's over here <laughs> chomping at the bit. Uh, Virginia, New York. Do you how, do you want to go back to the, the success, and he could give that overview, and then talk about what he's doing now, just to yeah. Let's talk about last year, and then we'll dive into this year. All right, let's do it. So, all right, Jimmy. So let's go. Uh, New York was first, wasn't it? Uh, yep, <clears throat> yep. All right, so let's dive into New York. So New York, Virginia. Actually, let's 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 talk about Kentucky afterwards, if that's okay. Oh. Yep. All right. So let's let's go to success stories, and then we'll lead into like what's going on on now, all that stuff. All right, New York man, hit it, hammer it. What's the, what was the deal, uh, and and go from there. So um, I think I came home here end of October, or oh no, like uh, yeah, like October twenty something. Went upstate um, and met, uh, a, you know, at the time, a new friend, uh, Billy, hunted with him. And uh, we couldn't get it done. But uh, like you said, I mean, like, you know, it's not always about that. But it had a great encounter with his number one buck. I was filming. If I was shooting, <laughs> I had him I had him pinned at 30 yards. And, you know, he but where Billy was just couldn't get a shot. Um, you know, he was 10 yards, 12 yards away from me. Um but that was still a great hunt. And then came back to long Island and, um, you know, just like, we're talking about success and it's like kind of funny cause yeah, it was successful, but it, 
there was no, and this might sound weird or bad or what, but there was no work put into it beforehand other than years of experience of hunting the same spots. Like on Long Island where we hunt, like the ticks here are so bad to begin with. We hardly if ever go out in the summertime. I mean, it's that bad. Like just standing in the yard, my dad this year's had like 10, 15 ticks on them. So like, you don't want to go in the woods if you don't have to type of deal. Um, uh, and that's something I take pretty serious because I've had friends with Lyme's disease and stuff. So I just, it's like, why bother, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so we just went back to the spot out in the, out in the Hamptons where, um, we've always hunted. I mean, we've hunted that, we've hunted that same Ridge for 12 years. I mean, the same tree and just every year success, um, you know, and success is measured different ways. Like whether it's a doe or a buck, but there's always deer there. It's a great spot. It just gives you that feeling. Um, so it started out on Halloween hunted, sat all day. Um, and I saw about 20 deer on that Ridge, uh, a couple nice bucks, but just, you know, out of range. And one skirted me, he was only at 20 yards, but he was, a yard over into a holly tree, a row of holly trees that, you know, all the brushes covering them. I'm like, if you would have just been one yard closer, yep. but you know, that's why it's exciting. Right. Yep. So, yeah, he knows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, had a great day. That was one of the best days I've had on that Ridge. I saw a ton of deer. Um, and so I was like, all right, you know, dad, we need to go back there the next morning. And I sat in the same tree I had sat in. He was 90 yards up the hill from me in the same tree he sat in for, like I said, the last 10 or so years. Um, And that was daylight saving. So that's November 1st. And so everything felt longer, right? Like, because even though to the deer, nothing's changed, like the clock's an hour ahead. So it's like, all right, you're sitting, nothing's happening. Didn't see anything until uh, I believe... I think it was everything occurred between like nine 15 and 10 o'clock. But again, it like, it felt later. Um, so sitting there, um, my dad had actually tried to screw in a screw and step to hang up his bow and slipped and like smashed himself in his right eye. And he's a righty. So he, he texted me. He's like, I can't even see right now. Like he's, he's like, my vision's blurry. Uh, I was like, Oh man. So, um, a buck came by, 20 yards from him, he shot and missed, you know, this was, you know, around nine 15 and, uh, better, you know, I'm glad he clean missed and just called it a day on that one. But, um, we're sitting there and then it was just like a switch went off. As soon as that deer skirted behind me at 35 yards, um, then I'm looking out into this, this field dips down and I see legs coming up and then I see it's a good buck. And so I hit the can call, doesn't hear it. One more time, stops. One more time, turns his head. And then he just beelined it straight towards me. Um, and he got, I, I'm thinking, I'm getting ready that he's going to come out on the 15-yard trail just to my left, which is perfect because I'm a righty and I'm sitting in a saddle. Um, and he winds up coming basically straight to me and he's at like six yards and looks up and sees like my bow and my hand moving, getting ready. And he just then quick skirted out to 20 yards. And if this doesn't sell you on the saddle, I don't know what will, because 
I just feel so confident in that thing that you feel grounded and rock solid no matter what. I just dropped my knees and spun around. So he was front right of me, but there was a, a branch I had on that side because I knew it's my weak side. I was like, I'd rather keep that little bit of cover there. And that's not where most of the deer would come anyways. Right. Um, so I went all the way around the left side of the tree and I was basically just hanging there. Like I, I, my knee and boot might've been on the tree barely, but basically completely off my platform and drew back and he, you know, this is within four seconds, oh, yeah. or less, yep. you know, yep. and, um, drew back. And I actually, as soon as I drew back, there was another branch in front of my sight, but I gave a quick look and saw there was nothing below it. So I knew my arrow would clear it. And I just put the pin on him, basically looking through the blurry branch at him and just took that extra second and squeezed it off. And he went down in 45 yards and, that was it. He, you know, he went down right away. And so that commotion paired with the previous can call, cause pretty much as long as it took for me to shoot him and him go down, I was on the phone with my dad and he had heard the shot. Of course, he's only 90 yards up the hill and we could just barely, you know, just out of sight. And, um, I remember looking down explicitly and seeing a minute and 41 seconds on the phone when I was like, I gotta go, here comes a bigger buck hit hang up and I started getting ready. So that uh, a, a bigger buck and uh, an oddly big spike, like eight or nine inch spikes. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yep. Uh, they, they came from out in front walked right past the other deer and then went down the bowl of the field, of course, 20 yards from me, but I can only see their head and then came up behind me. So I turn around and now I'm standing on this, on the platform facing the other way, I have an arrow knocked, I'm ready to go. And, um, cause you know, being in New York, it's not where I'm going to be all the time. I'm like, I'm taking advantage of whatever's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the, the, the big buck, he's at 25, 30 yards, but you know, there's trees in the way and all that. And they're just kind of, they, they were looking around both of them cause they knew they had heard something. And then he starts to go to, uh, to my right. He was three steps away from being in a 20 yard wide, perfect opening. And he turns left and cuts up the hill. And I was like, Oh man, but I'm thinking, and I'm sitting here thinking now my dad can't see now the deer's 45 yards from me facing the other way. I was like, I'm not making that. I'm not taking that shot. Right. Especially I'm adrenaline's going already. Um, and all that. And it just, you know, even if he turned broadside, I wouldn't have taken that shot, honestly. Um, and I'm standing there watching the deer, watching, and then all of a sudden, I just hear smack, and I watched an arrow just come through the trees from the right, hit the deer perfect behind the shoulder, and he actually wound up turning straight back around and ran three yards right underneath me. So I'm watch, I watched him run with the arrow sticking out and I could just see, I was like, Oh, he's done. And, uh, as quick as he could run 200 yards, he was, he was dead. Like he within, you know, six seconds, 200 yards cleared, whatever it was. And he was, and he was down. I couldn't see him go down, but I, I knew he was gone. Yeah. And like I said, I'm sitting here thinking my dad can't even see. And then he pulls off a 45 yard shot through the woods <laughs> <laughs> and uh just pinwheeled them and um <clears throat> and so to recap from the time I shot my deer to the time he shot his deer was 13 minutes that's 
crazy. 90 yards apart. And that was the fourth time we've ever doubled up in a morning. Now you talk about the, this ridge that you've always hunted. You, you go back to, you don't have to do a lot of scouting. You, you basically get in the same tree, but you know, tell us what makes this ridge so good. You know, what are the terrain features? Why, why are the deer using this as a transition phase or kind of that pre-rep phase and, and kind of dive into someone that, you know, maybe doesn't know, you know, kind of that terrain or, or what you're hunting of why it's so good and you're successful year after year. Yeah. So, you know, keep in mind that this is the suburbs, like where, uh, you know, there's big million dollar homes all around. So there's only so much green strip for the deer to actually travel through. Um, and this spot in particular, if you kind of picture it as like a horseshoe, and on the top part open is a road, you know, they're, they're always crossing roads, even in the daylight. Cause it's all, <clears throat> it's all just connected, right? They don't have a big plot of timber to go in really. They're all just weaving in and out. Um, and we're at the bottom part of that horseshoe is where this ridge is. And they, they just go, you know, from right side of that horseshoe to left side. And we know that people have, we, you know, we've heard of people seeing the same deer, you know, up across the road that we see there, of course, obviously, you know, they, they travel a lot. Um, and just the way it is, I mean, they just, they just run that Ridge and that's just such a high point. And it, it's just for whatever reason or another, they've just always, that's where they go. I mean, and you can see the trail clear as day. Yeah. That's crazy. I think too, that I'm sure in that area, just because of things, like, I'm just picturing, a lot of doe are probably betting and if in that time frame that's that seek phase and they're just on their feet cruising looking checking doe betting and if, like how you said jimmy if that's that 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 travel corridor they're just going from bed to bed checking these does and i mean is it a, a heavily doe populated area too yeah so <clears throat> the buck to doe ratio on long island is not great there's definitely way more does um and I think that just kind of goes for a lot of suburban areas. Like, you know, if you think about Northern Virginia too, um, there's just so many deer. I mean, it, it's just natural that the does are going to outnumber the bucks. Um, and speaking of doe bedding and all that on that left side of that horseshoe, you know, it's not that narrow, like that left side is 300 yards wide or more, but on the, on the far side of it, you know, there's a row of houses and we know for sure they bed in there. Yeah which is why we don't encroach on it and just let them travel and, you know, pick their route. Um, and we, you know, there's multiple spots like that. This spot just is always one we've gone to. And I've, I've missed a buck there years ago. I've had other nice bucks nearby. My uncle has seen even bigger bucks there. They're just, they just moved through there. Um, I mean, I'm confident in saying if you sat there every day of the rut, I mean, you're going to fill your tag. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get an opportunity to fill your tag. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, are you the only people hunting this? Is there other hunting pressure around? Um, there's other hunting pressure around. Um, there's a lot of hunters on Long Island, um, believe it or not. And like I said, a lot of people run and gun, you know, whether it's sticks and saddle or climbers mostly, which is what I grew up using. Um, so you don't necessarily know where they are or aren't. Um, and it's just, you know, just be cordial of each other and take the, you know, do the right thing and get permission and do all everything you got to do. Um, and that's the odd part because a lot of these pieces of land are like 
in between homes are owned by construction companies. So like they're not picking and choosing like, you know, they're just sure. Okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Now after then it was not too far, not too long after that was when you went back down home to Virginia and, and got another good one down there. Yeah. So <clears throat> actually, um, you know, it's last year was an interesting year. I'd been in the Coast Guard, hadn't gotten to hunt much. Um, like I said, when it comes to New York, we don't do a lot of scouting. So we don't know any of the deer around. We're just going because we know their deer there. And we're not waiting on 140 inch deer. Like we're, we're shooting what makes us happy there because that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you have a farm down in Virginia, you can take your time and you, you do all the scouting and you can piece that puzzle together a lot more. Um, so, um, and my dad had just actually got out of, just sold his business. So he, and he had been working so much, he barely got to, uh, got to hunt much. So we were both just enjoying hunting, right? We weren't waiting on the biggest deer. And, uh, before we even went back to Virginia, he actually shot another decent buck. Um, so, uh, and to kind of recap from November 1st to November 7th in New York and Virginia, him and I killed five bucks total That's awesome and uh ironically enough wearing the wearing a half rack hat so yeah. <laughs> on each one of those so i think it was lucky i really do yeah, that lucky, um, lucky hat man yeah so so yeah we went back down to virginia uh and he shot a nice eight pointer and then um <clears throat> on the farm there it's uh 600 acres and um there's i think like 35 to 40 ladder stands. Um, and the guys there, they love to bow hunt and, you know, then they love to hunt with the muzzle loader and the rifle and all that. Um, but they have ladder stands cause they, you know, a few of them, they mentioned to me, like they used to hunt out of hang ons. Um, but, um, with some medical stuff, they feel a little dizzy and they don't want to be in something that they're not comfortable in. Yep. So plus when you bring new people there and if there's new hunters, ladder stands generally, obviously a lot easier to get people incorporated with, which is great. Cause then it's, it always feels like there's, it's built behind the camaraderie. Right. Yep, absolutely. But me, I want to go in, I want to be aggressive. Right. So, um, there's a very clear now, especially that I've seen it and learned the farm and then hear about where they used to have stands and, you know, deer travel here and you look on the map, I mean, it's a beeline straight across the farm where they are, where they travel. Right. And there's multiple spots like that, but there's one in particular. Um, and it's this wide hedgerow. So the reason it's so wide now is cause they, um, uh, planted sawtooth oaks on either side. And so now it's 75, 80 yards wide. <clears throat> and especially when it's warm out, you know, the grass is, up to waist high in the sawtooth and then, then October, you know, goes down a little and that hedgerow is just real thick with cedars and all that. Um, I had my trail camera on the edge of it all summer and had p- pictures of a couple of nice bucks, a lot at nighttime. Um, but also the fields on either side were corn. So okay. basically it just expanded it that much more cause yeah. they're just going to live in the corn if they can. And they just travel in and out of it. Um, and this was the first time I went down in the hedgerow. It was November 7th and it was 75 degrees. So it was ridiculously hot. Um, and I made my way down there, 
I'm, you know, the wind was coming out of the north, so I walked down the south side of the hedgerow and get down to the bottom and kind of took me like 25 minutes to find the, like, like what I felt like was the right tree and just trying to move slow, take my time, got set up. Um, and when I did get down to the bottom, I could smell, there was a scrape down there. I could smell from 20 feet away, tracks everywhere, rubs everywhere, just tore up because no one goes down there. Right. Um, I was only in the tree for an hour and 40 minutes total. Um, and halfway through that, I hear a buck chasing a doe out of the corn. They're like 60 yards behind me. Definitely an, a, a good buck, but I couldn't get a great look at him. Uh, and then uh, the buck I wound up shooting, I watch him come out of the hedgerow, you know, from 80 yards away. <clears throat> and he's postured up and snort wheezes at the other buck. And then I just, in all the brush, couldn't keep track of what happened. And then they were gone. I was like, all right, well, at least I was a good encounter because no one else was really seeing anything. Um, then, uh, legal shooting light in Virginia ends a half hour after sunset. So like seven minutes to the end of legal shooting light. Um, I hear something behind me so faint and I look and I see white and I'm like, that looks like a deer and it's only like 20 yards away. So I just grab my bow and then, and then, uh, as he's walking down, he walks down this little Creek that's right underneath my tree and is basically his body is touching the tree I'm in and I'm looking straight down at him and I'm sure you've seen the pictures of him. He's a short time wide eight. He was like 22 inches wide. Yeah. And so when you're looking straight down on that, you're just like, Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. And then he, <clears throat> it, thankfully he just, instead of walking straight past me, which I wouldn't have been able to really get a shot, he cut left and walked out to seven yards and turned broadside and, you know, I was like 22 feet up. So that was a very steep shot. Yeah. And he, and then he gave me a shot and that was it. And dude, that's, that's it. how it went. That's crazy. On the farm. Yeah. You put on it. You put in some work too on the farm that from last time I remember having you on, I mean, I remember you doing some work and uh, some land management on it. So kind of paid off for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're always, there's, I mean, that place is so big. There's, there's always a laundry list of stuff to do. Um, and so did a lot of work with just the, the general farm, right. Cutting stuff for all the ladder stands, all that. And I had my trail camera there for a reason. I knew that they're going to be in and out of there, especially with corn on either side and just wanted to wait till November to go in there. Um, and, it being so hot and no one else was seeing anything. I knew I wanted to get, be aggressive. Right. Mm -hmm. And because I watched that buck come out of the hedgerow, I would bet a lot of money. I mean, I feel fairly, very certain. I walked right by that deer on my way in within 40, 50 yards, not even right. He was bedded down in the hedgerow. Cause I know they bed in there, found sheds in there after the season and in beds and stuff. So, I mean, I, I couldn't have been more than 60 yards from that deer when I walked in. So talk about then like you, you with the trail cam, cam, like what is your strategy for that? Like on, on the farm or like when you find like just some of the things that you found and like kind of strategically place them in those particular spots. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, obviously the, uh, the guys who own the farm, they've owned it for 20 years. So just their knowledge helps a lot. And I only actually have two trail cameras on the farm this year. Last year I only had one because, you know, priorities and money. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so um, I just knew that that felt like the spot to be. And last year I didn't have a ton of time to really like try to figure it out, but I knew that, all right, let me start here, see what happens from it. And then we'll learn. Right. But now all this information piecing together, I obviously know a lot more about it. So my plan this year and my cameras are out right now, um, I'm back in that hedgerow, you know, it'll be beans on either side. So it's going to be another learning year, right? Like, are they going to hit it as aggressive when they don't have that much more cover next to it? Okay. Um, I know they will be through there, but it might not be this in the same degree. Um, and again, I hadn't really been in there, but now that I've been in there in the off season, uh, I hunted that deer. I shot that deer at the bottom of the hedgerow. So like 180 yards down from where my trail camera was. Um, but now I'm up higher up and there's like a, there was a little area in there with few small trees and it was grass. Right. Um, and when I found it during this off season, I'm like, this is where I want to be because it's up at the top. It's a little bit wider to the spot. It's closer to where they come out of the big timber and where that main vein comes across the farm. And there's a ladder stand up at the other end of the field that you can, I mean, I've sat there a few times and every time see deer come out of the timber, go right into the hedgerow, pretty much right where now I just hung up uh, one of my Novix hang ons. Um, so that's my plan this year. That's where I have my camera. Um, and the nice part is, is that, you know, you want to be cognizant of the wind, but when those, if those deer walk in front of me, they're going to be, within 20 yards or less, I feel confident I can, as long as it's North or South, I feel like I can hunt it because I'm on either edge of the field. So the deer aren't going to be in the field without being in the hedgerow first, right? That's kind of their staging area um, or coming into it from the timber and then going out into the field once it gets dark. Um, So that's my plan for that spot this year. Um, And then I put a camera on the other side of the farm where again, similar thing, wide hedgerow, travel path. I mean, the, the trail in there, there's grass in there all the time, even within the trees. And the trail is mud and filled with tracks all year. And the guy on the farm, they like to say, you know, he's like that trail's ankle deep. I mean, it, <laughs> it, he's not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's another one of those spots that uh, it's kind of a similar setup. Um, and thankfully the edge of that field will be corn this year. So I know there'll be, tight in there more than the other side probably but now you talked about it uh you know you took your time getting to where you wanted to be and then you said the magical word the perfect tree so you know first you're hunting out of a saddle jeremy hunts out of the saddle i'm going to dive into the saddle for the first time this year as well you know so explain what you were looking for you know you said you took 25 minutes to look for that tree so you know what made it that perfect tree? You know, was it, you know, where the deer travel corridor was going to be? Was it the cover? Can you kind of explain to someone whether they're hunting out of a saddle or running gunning with a lock on, you know, what you were looking for and what made that the perfect tree? So what made it the perfect tree is that I wound up shooting the deer out of it. Um, to be quite honest. So the bottom of that hedgerow, it, it's basically like a three-way split right where I was at it, you know, it's, it's linear down to the bottom and then there's a still pretty thick hedgerow to the left and then up to the right. Um, 
there's not as much, I, I, you know, I feel confident in saying that down in that bottom, there's definitely does bedding down in there. So when I got down to the bottom, the last 25 yards of the cornfield wound up just being this kind of whatever switch grass, like just random grass, right? I don't know if, if the farmer just left those rows wide or if the runoff washed the seeds out early and that's why it was left so open. Um, and that's where that scrape was. Um, and that's where the trails were coming from each part of that three-way split. So again, not having really been down there, I was like, all right, I want to be somewhere right here. Uh, those sawtooths, those oaks, they planted them and they were six inches tall. And now, you know, they're six inches in diameter. Most of them that, that high up, you know, and you can get comfortably 15 feet high, not very high, but they, they, they give good cover because they're more like bushy type the whole way up with limbs and all that. Um, so I was honestly, I was going to get in one of those and be 12, 15 yards off the scrape thinking, you know, I'm just like, eventually deer are going to hit this corner. Um, but the only decent one to get in had poison ivy on it. So I was like, debating, do I try to get around this poison ivy or am I going to regret this later? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just ultimately decided like, let me just go in into the hedgerow. Cause it's very open at the bottom. Like at the bottom, it's open as can be. You can see right to the other side. Um, and I, so I knew that if there's deer in there, they're going to be up at the higher part and come down. Um, and a lot of the trees were dead, didn't seem in the right spot. And I just found one that, you know, my preferred diameter of tree that just feels comfortable to get in and, and just was like, all right, I need to make a decision. So this is it. <laughs> yeah. And it worked out. So, yeah. I mean, even for like to speak on that, like for, for me, kind of like what Jimmy said, looking in that, that diameter of a tree, looking for that cover, uh, you know, kind of like the, the thing that I, that I think you'll have to, and it's, it's just going to be you knowing like now, just for, from anybody saying is, you know, if you're used to facing the deer in a tree stand, now you're going to be behind it, which you already even said the other day, you're like, you know, this is actually a good tree because we have that cover mm -hmm. in the saddle. So like, you already know that. So I think, you know, for, for you transitioning, you know, that's a, it's a great question to ask for people getting into it, not doing it ever before or a newer hunter. But I mean, I think that's going to be an, a sweet transition for you. And I think you'll find that like, holy cow. I could have, now I could get into that tree that it has this cover and I couldn't, you know what I mean? Just little things like that. So that's good stuff. Good, good, good information there. I like it. Awesome, Jimmy. Dude, you went to Kentucky. Uh, any other out-of-state hunts coming on the horizon for you this upcoming season? Yeah, a lot, actually, nice. which is pretty, pretty awesome. So <clears throat> um, I'll list off everything, but... Some of them are solidified and then some are proposed and I'm hoping that they happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, I wanted to go back to Kentucky, but then more stuff came up, but I definitely plan on, unless something bigger for some reason comes up, I'll be back there next year for sure. Um, that place was awesome. And um, so for this year, it'll be um, a proposed, there's a proposed trip to Nebraska, September one, and then a definite trip. So my dad's going elk hunting in Colorado. Sweet. And I'll be egging along to get a bunch of content. Um, so that'll be, he'll be, we'll be chasing elk around. And nice. I've never experienced that. Did so he, that'll be did he draw a tag or is he doing over the counter? 
uh, over the counter nice. and going, going with a guide, you know, he's wanted to do this for 30 years. He's like, I'm spending the money. I'm just doing it. I was yeah. like, all right, I'll be there. <laughs> Good for you, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, he'll, and we'll be going with one of his friends that he's grown up with. So that'll be just a lot of fun in general. That sounds like uh, a cool trip. I mean, that's one, I mean, my dad has always said like, Oh, we just, I just want to do something like that once. And you have that opportunity. So, and you know, it's cool that you could kind of just be there to, you know, experience with it and, and capture some cool content and, and footage for him. Exactly. And I, even though it'd be cool to hunt elk, it's not that cool for that much money yeah. <laughs> to yeah. me yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, <clears throat> it is worth it, especially if, you know, it, it might be the only opportunity he gets, you know, yeah. now because so it might as well do it right. Um, and then after that, um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll be going to Wisconsin as well. Uh, and then obviously Virginia and then upstate New York, um, and there might even, you know, there might be more get that gets sprinkled in, but the upstate New York one will be a lot of fun because it's on uh, my family's 30 acres. Um, and this 30 acres hunts like 60. I mean, it's just nice. perfectly set up. And um, we actually, my cousin, one of my cousins has never hunted before. So he's going to be there to get his first deer. He'll be sitting with my dad. And then my cousin, my other cousin's boyfriend, um, he's never hunted before either. And he wants to get his first deer. So there'll be, I think like 10 of us all hunting on the 30 acres, but like it, it, like I said, it, it hunts bigger than that. And so that'll be for opening day, a rifle. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be like a firework. Yeah, show. Pow, pow. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, we're, we're used to that stuff, man. That's awesome. Good, man. Well, that that's exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing what, what else is coming out from half rack, what you, you have going on. And I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, come on and explain that just because, you know, we're, we're getting close to when half rack's going to officially, you know, just getting in, in the people's hands, you know, it's, it's launched, but we're, you know, like you said, it, it's not in people's hands just yet. So I, I really encourage the, the, anybody listening, if you have yet to check it out, do so it's it's awesome content one but two it is a community and and i'm not saying that just because being a part of it in a in a little minute way uh but it is it, you you could see it, it's sincere you could see that there's a bigger picture there's a, a a good message behind it so get behind it follow it and uh you know i'm excited to just even grab one of those you know soft you know case uh bows just to when i'm lugging it around just in uh locally you know what I mean? Instead of carrying the big hard case just around here, I could just throw that inside the that little soft shell case and just have it protected within the truck, just going from my house to your house type of ordeal. But, you know, there's there's some really cool stuff coming and 2% goes back to conservation. So definitely check it out, people. Check out Jimmy, what he has going on as well. Jimmy, last words, uh, where can people find you? Half rack, plug it again, all that jazz, man. <laughs> yeah, so... <clears throat> um uh, you'll have to get the spelling. I probably said this last time. You'll have to get the spelling from the podcast title for my name, but uh, my Instagram is just at Jimmy Jeraputo. Um, and then, I mean, you could email me at huntfreemedia at gmail.com. That's much easier to remember. So, <laughs> uh, and then again, half rack is at half dot rack and uh, website is half dash rack.com. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. 
Awesome, Jimmy. Dude, excited. Can't wait to talk shop again here soon one day, and uh, we'll get ready for the season. So everybody check it out, and until next time, Antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Make sure you check out antlerupoutdoors.com, our YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram pages. Make sure you go over there, subscribe, like, comment, all that stuff. We're going to have some cool stuff coming out to you really soon. So thank you so much for all the support. Best of luck to you continuing on scouting and getting ready for next year. Here we go. Antler Up.